Um, Dwayne is the lead pastor of the Bridge Church in Denton in Texas, so you know everything in Texas is bigger and better, and I'm sure you'll get a good feeling of that amazing Texan spirit today. And um, Dwayne has got three wonderful children. His son, Cody, is busy ministering to our children at Reverb right now as he's going to be ministering here, so I think that's going to be absolutely fantastic. They have served as a family um, on various missions. They've been missionaries in the UK for two years as a family and have ministered in more than 25 nations. So we are just so honored to have him. So could we say, Dwayne, you are welcome in our pulpit. May you have freedom and joy as you minister today. Thank you. Wow, thank you. Good morning, Hatfield. How are you today? You, you're looking good. You're sounding good. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, it's going to be a good day. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, <clears throat> one thing that, that Debbie did such a great job, uh, I've got to talk to our team because they're a little behind evidently on our website uh, because now we've been to 56 nations, uh, not 25. That's not Debbie's fault, that's our fault. But that made me realize that um, that that is old and updated and it made me feel a little old because I've been going a long time now. So 50, 56 nations we've been blessed to be a part of and I send greetings from uh, all of our wonderful, amazing family back home, our, the Bridge Church and our network of churches called O2. Many of them have been here over the years, over the last 10, 15 years, there have been dozens and dozens and dozens of people from back home in Texas and around the states that are connected to us through our network have come and they all send their greetings, but especially my wife sends her greetings and she said to tell you she loves you and we miss she misses you and hopes to be with you next time that I'm here. And also, since the last time I was here, I am now an opa. Yeah. So I'm new at the game. I'm very new, so I didn't have a picture ready for the media team. That's a big grandpa failure. I should have come with pictures that you care nothing about, um, but you're very kindly say, oh. <laughs> so I, that, that's a failure. I'll get better. I'll get better as I have more practice. I'm only five weeks in. So I'm new to the whole thing. But yeah, yeah. So I can't wait till one day I'll bring my grandson here and, and he'll come along. Uh, with me, but it's great to be here. I love Hatfield. I love your pastors. Hallelujah and Natasha are two of Chris and I's dearest friends. We love them so much, and we love all the leadership team and all the wonderful folks here at Hatfield. This is like a home away from home for us. If I could live anywhere in the world other than Texas, it would be South Africa, because this is such a wonderful place, and I eat meat. It's the only place in the world that can almost give me too much meat to eat because I'm very carnivorous. Hallelujah. If you're a vegan, I shall pray for you. I love you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And you have to love me. 
I've come with an assignment this morning. Is that okay? I know that we're in the middle of, of this, uh, of one focus with, with discipleship. And I believe that even what I'm going to say is going to tie into discipleship. Uh, because part of discipleship is helping people break barriers. And I've come today with an assignment that God, we all know it, but I, I've come all the way from Texas. Listen, I fly home. I've been here for about 10 or 11 days. I fly home in a few hours. So I, this is, you're my last shot at South Africa. This is, I saved the best for last. And, and I've, I've come, listen, I still got some, some petrol in my tank. But I've come to, so I'm going to do this fast, and I'm going to do this hard, and I'm going to give you everything I've got before I go get on a plane. But I've come to tell somebody today that God is in the barrier-breaking business. And I don't care what your barrier is. I don't care what your limitation is. I don't care what it is you're facing. I don't care how bad it is or how good it is. God has a barrier-breaking anointing over this house. And if God is going to break barriers in this house, He's going to break barriers in your life. I love studying barrier breakers. People, people like Roger Bannister. Anybody ever heard of Roger Bannister? Roger was a, a great guy that was thought impossible. I think we have a picture of Roger. He, he was, it was thought impossible that, that he could run, that anyone could run the mile in less than four minutes. Previously to this day, May 6, 1954, no one had ever run the mile in less than four minutes and one second. Nobody could break the barrier. It was thought impossible by many. But on May 6, 1954, Roger Bannister ran the mile in 3 minutes, 59.6 seconds. You say, well, that's not much less than 4 minutes, but he did it. He broke the barrier. But you know what's amazing? Once he did that, the previous record, 9 years standing, after he did it, it was broke again in 46 days. Why? Because once you break the barrier, you take it out of the realm of impossibility and into the realm of possibility. So I've got news for somebody. The barrier that God is about to break in your life isn't just for you. It's for your children and your children's children and all the people coming after you. Other barrier breakers, another hero barrier breaker of mine is is a guy named Chuck Yeager till 1947 they, they didn't believe that planes could fly at the speed of sound bullets and cannonballs could have been known to to go at supersonic speeds but but planes couldn't many people had tried and failed Chuck Yeager had tried six times and failed he was approaching his seventh time, and he knew it was probably his last time, and he was riding a horse, and the horse went right, and he went left. He fell off and broke his ribs, knowing that if he went to the military doctors to have them uh, taped up, that they would ground him and not let him fly. So he went to a veterinarian in the middle of the night. They wrapped his, 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 his ribs in tape and, and made a broom handle a hook on a broom handle to be able to hook the cockpit down of, of his plane, Glamorous Glennis, named after his lovely wife. 
On that day, he decided, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to break this barrier. I'm going to break the sound barrier. I'm going to do something that's never been done. He got in that plane, and he was dropped out of that B-29 over the Mojave Desert, and he approached Mach 1, it was called. He gets to Mach 0.7, and the plane is shaking. Mach 0.8, and it's violently shaking. Mach 0.9, and everything in his mind is saying, quit the, the plane could disintegrate. You could crash and die like others have. This, they called it the demon. The sound demon. Sound barrier demon that you could not break. And those demons were literally and figuratively speaking in his mind. And he said at Mach 9, everything in him wanted to, wanted to back off. But with, it, with his side reeling in pain, he pushed one more time. And boom. For the first time ever, a sonic boom was heard on earth from an aircraft. Now it happens all the time. They're designing planes to fly at Mach 3. You say, what is your point? My point is this, that history has been filled with barrier breakers. For us, it's not the sound barrier, it's the scene barrier. We have to break through what we can see, feel, taste, touch and smell into the supernatural from the natural to the supernatural from what we know to what we do not know I believe today that there is a barrier breaking anointing in this house for some of you that have been friends with us for a few years you know that that my wife and I uh, we would call this hooper Hooper is the Greek word where we get our, our, our English word super or hyper. When it's a prefix. When you add it to anything, it makes it bigger than itself. Some of you have seen me preach Hooper Man. Some of you that follow me on social media or have read my book or my wife's book, Hooper Man and Hooper Woman, you know that I'm Hooper Dwayne. My daughter is Hooper Ashton. We, we live this, we're, we're this family that's obsessed with this word, Hooper. And you may have wondered what it's about. Well, well, there's several Hooper scriptures. One of my favorite is 2 Corinthians 4, 7. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels or jars of clay that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. The word excellency of power, that phrase in the Greek is Hooper Bole. It's where we get the English word hyperbole. It means an exaggeration. If, if, if you're, there's any English teachers in here, they understand hyperbole. But you don't have to be an English teacher to understand it. You just have to have a teenager. <laughs> Teenagers are great. Mike Novisky laughed very loud at that. Um, he has teenagers. Teenagers are great at hyperbole. My son, when he was 14, he would walk in a room and say, It's so hot in here! so hot then, then he would come in and he'd say I'm so hungry I'm starving I'd say you're not starving I'll take you to places in the world where they're starving like any good parent does I'd say you're not starving you haven't eaten in three hours there's a big difference but when you're 14 and you haven't eaten in three hours you're starving it's hyperbole do you know that God wants to do something so big in your life that people can't explain it. The exaggeration is so big that it can't be you. It must be God. Listen, if people can explain the way you're living your life, you're not living it the right way. 
Another great Hooper scripture is, is Romans 8, 37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That more than conquerors is Hooper Nikeo. It's where Nike gets their phrase in the Greek to overcome, to be victorious, to conquer. But we're not just victorious, we're Hooper victorious. We're more than conquerors. I don't know about you guys, but as we begin to, I could go on and on, but you get the idea. There's loads of Hooper scriptures. God is a big God, and he wants to do big things in our lives. But, but here's the issue. If we know God is so big, why do we live life so small? Those of us that have been Christians for a while, we would mentally ascend to the fact that God is big, but so many times we're living Life in a small way, 2 Corinthians 6, 11 through 13 in the message translation, or paraphrase, it's not a translation, it's a paraphrase, it says, Dear, dear Christian Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide, open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in, the smallness you feel comes from within you. Our lives aren't small, but you're just living them in a small way. See, the smallness that we feel, I believe, oftentimes comes as a result of the tension between our ideological theology and our present reality. So many times we theologically and mentally ascend to the fact that God is big, but then we live our lives by this present reality that seems like things are small and pressed in and confined. It's the tension between the seen and the unseen. What we know in the word and what we see into the na- in the natural. Now some of you know that every year uh, we go away and pray and get a word for the year. And, and that is what we share as we go. Uh, and as we, as we travel around the world to people that we're in relationship with. We share that prophetic word unless God just tells me not to. And, and, and we've been doing that for some time. And ten years ago, God gave us a word not only for the year but for the decade. And the word was go big. Somebody say go big. Go big. And that became our theme for the year to really go big. And, and, and we said, or not for the year, excuse me, for the whole decade. And so from 2010 until 2019, the beginning of this year, we, that was really a part of our theme. We had, we had words within that decade, but we just really believed God. And in that time, we went big. We, our church had no, had no building, and we got a building. And, and, and we, we, we began to, to do more missions and more outreaches and more things. But, you know, in the middle of all that, we had a lot of opposition, too. How many of you know that so many times life is the best of times and the worst of times, kind of like a Dickens novel? <laughs> it, it, it seems like, like it, it, things can be going wonderful in one area and you're really struggling in another area. Has anybody besides me ever experienced that? So I won't bother you with all the details, but from 2010 to 2019, we had a lot of ups and downs, and God did some great things, but, but we were really praying as a team, and we were looking at this whole thing, go big, and we thought, we, 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 we've done all that we could do, what's next? And in 2019, as the bridge ending that decade and looking to 2020 as a new vision and a new decade, what is this bridge, this gap 
year 2019. What are you saying, God? And we begin to just go back and rehearse some hooper things and how, God, there's still more. And, and no matter what we've been disappointed with, there's still more. No matter how good it's been, there's still more. No matter how bad it's been, God still has good things to do. No matter how good it's been, God has better things to do. And so my son actually was with our team and we were praying. He said, doesn't anybody else, I guess everybody sees this. And we said, sees what? And we had the go big on the board and he started writing. It was in black and he got a red pen and he just starts writing. When we go big, God's bigger. And it just, it jumped out at us that that's the word. That God is bigger. You say, Dwayne. Is that all you got for us today? Yes. Because that's all you need. God is bigger. <laughs> you didn't catch that. I said God is bigger. Come on, touch somebody and say God is bigger. Come on, touch somebody else and say I said God's bigger. He's bigger. He's bigger. He's bigger. You say, what is he bigger than? Let me give you a few things. First of all, God's bigger than your biggest failure. I don't know about you, but that's good news for Dwayne. We all blow it, but God is bigger than your biggest failure. You say, Dwayne, you don't know what I did. I don't care what you did. God is bigger. The cross is bigger than your biggest sin. God's promise is bigger than your biggest failure. Somebody say he's bigger. So, so what, what, what's your biggest failure? The one that nobody knows about. One you ain't never told nobody. He's bigger than that. Let, let me give you another one. You want another one? I'm not going to give you an all-inclusive list, but, but I'm going to give you a few here real quick. Um, he's bigger than your biggest fear. Well, what are you afraid of? He's bigger than that. You know, people can fear anything. We have a, if you look up phobias, Google all the different kinds of phobias, you'll get a list a mile long. Sorry, several kilometers long. Forgot where I was. And people here are afraid of heights. They're afraid of depths. They're afraid of closed spaces. They're afraid of wide open spaces. They're afraid of leaving the house. Some people are afraid of going to the house. <laughs> There's even a phobia of peanut butter. How are you afraid of peanut butter? I get confused about that until I think about Marmite, because I have a fear of Marmite. <laughs> scares me. Listen, can I just tell you, whatever your biggest fear is, God is bigger than that. Let, let me give you another one. You want another one? God's bigger. I, I'm going to give you one anyway. God's God's bigger than what I thought he should have done in my past. I call it the coulda, woulda, shouldas. God, God could have done this and he should have done that and I wish he would have done that. 
God could have healed so and so and and he should have done it that way and if he would have done it it wouldn't have turned out this way God could have made my business succeed and I and he should have done that and if he would have done it I I wouldn't be broke today the coulda shoulda wouldas he should have healed that loved one that died when we prayed he, he ought to have caused my church to be doing better. He should have caused this ministry to grow. Listen, when we're, when we're doing that, we're telling God how big, or, or excuse me, we're telling God how to do his business. When I say it like that, it sounds stupid, but, but when we're living and it, it's easy to do, the devil lies to us and it makes so much sense. But here's the problem when we do this, when we relegate God to what we thought he should have done in the past, we significantly shrink our vision of Jesus and we shrink God in our thinking to the size of our skewed understanding. Listen, it's not that God gets smaller. It's like Paul told the Corinthians, you're just living life in a small way. God doesn't get smaller in reality. He gets smaller in my perception. I don't want to shrink God to the size of my understanding. He's bigger than that. Let me give you another one. He's bigger than the last big thing he did for me. Hallelujah. Has God ever done anything for anybody in this room? He's bigger than that. We see that at Jericho. Jericho, the, the walls were, 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 were several, several meters wide, so wide they could race chariots around the top of it, and they did. And, and these guys have a great victory. Uh, a few million people walk around Jericho's walls six days and say nothing. That's the first miracle. I'd struggle to get a couple of hundred of us to walk around twice. Somebody would be saying, what's the crazy Texan God is doing this for? This is nuts. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm sitting down. But they walked around six days and said nothing. On the seventh day, they walked six times around it. And then they blew trumpets and shouted and walls fell. That's a big victory. But then they got stuck there and they forgot to ask God what was next. And they went to a little town called Ai and got defeated because they forgot that God was bigger than their last big victory. What, what, is, what is your greatest moment in life? What is your crowning achievement? What is it, the victory that seemed to end all victories? I've come to tell you he's bigger than that. See, some people know how to overcome great adversity, but they don't know how to live in great victory. I want to be a person who can do both. Listen, I've come to tell you, God is bigger. Elijah experienced this and in 1 Kings 18 uh, through, through 19. We see that he has this showdown. He prayed that with the prophets of Baal. He prayed that it wouldn't rain. It stopped raining. Then he prayed that it would rain. And it rained. He made it rain. And all these wonderful things are happening. And then we find him hiding from a woman. Kills 400 prophets of Baal. These are bad dudes. And he's running from one girl. Why? Because he was sitting there saying, Oh, God, it's, I'm the only one. I'm all by myself. And after his greatest victory, 
He then lives in cowardice. Why? Because he thought God couldn't do any more than that. But if God could deliver him for 400 prophets of Baal, he could deliver him from Jezebel. <laughs> Somebody say, God's bigger. Let me give you another one real quick. God's bigger than what I want him to do. In my future, he's bigger than what I wanted him to do. In my past, he's bigger than what I want him to do in my future. Sometimes we, we think God's big, but we limit him. We limit him with our lists, what we want him to do. We write lists. Single, single people, you know, sometimes we can teach them, make a list of what you want. <laughs> Girls have these lists. I, I just have lists. I, I just... I want a man, he needs to be six foot tall, and, and, and he needs to have perfect teeth, and, and, and a good bank account with lots of rand would be very nice, Jesus. Thank you, hallelujah. And, and he needs to be educated, but not, not, but not arrogant. I want him humble. He needs to praise Jesus. It'd be nice if he could preach like Stephen Furtick, and Furtick's muscles would be okay too, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Guys have lists. Theirs are much shorter. They have like two things on their list. I'm not going to tell you what they are. It's not appropriate. But can I just tell you, listen, God may tell you to make a list to get you to think bigger. Come on, I understand that. But never limit your life to your list. Because God is bigger than any list you can come up with and sometimes he might say make a list because I'm going to blow your list out of the water. Hallelujah. What, what are you dreaming for God to do in your future? I've come to tell you he's bigger than that. Ephesians 3.20, this is my favorite Hooper scripture. It says, now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly Above all, we ask, think, ask or think according to the power that's at work within us. If you read this in different translations, it would say, now, or in Greek, it would say, now unto him who's able to do hooper, parisos, hooper, panta. So he's able to do all, beyond all that we could do, but then beyond all that we could ask, think, dream, or imagine. So, so listen, I want you to humor me for, for 30 seconds. Everyone close your eyes in the building. Everyone for 30 seconds, close your eyes. No one looking around. I want you to, but me, I want you to think about the biggest, most craziest, most insane thing God could ever do in your life. You got it? I mean, think about it. Think about it. Get it in your mind with your eyes closed. Get it, I mean, dream big. Go big. Dream big. Now look at me. He's bigger than that. That was a pathetic clap. I said he's bigger than that. If you really believed it, you would be going crazy right now because he's bigger than your wildest, craziest imagination. Now some of you are going, right, Dwayne, I've heard all this before. I've come to stir up your faith this morning. Here's where it all boils down to. And I'm landing this plane. God is bigger than the best or the worst life has to offer. 
God's bigger than your best day. And he's bigger than your worst day. Mike, if you want to come, you'll give people hope. If you tickle those fake ivories in Jesus' name. See, what we magnify in life, we multiply. So if I magnify my problem, I multiply my problem. But if I magnify God's promise, then I multiply his promise. And so today, God sent me on assignment to say this. That if you'll magnify him, it won't matter what's happening around you. Because greater is he that's in you. You've heard it said, sometimes you got to quit telling God how big your mountain is. You got to start telling your mountain how big your God is. God is bigger. Last year when I, I was here in August and I left and, and for about four months we had a lot of difficult things happen. One of the reasons while we were away, we were, we were, God just took us back to this hooper more, believing God, trusting God, because we were in the midst of some trials. My father-in-law who came here two years ago with me had cancer and he passed away in November, only 65 years old. We had all kinds of different news, but, but two stories I want to tell you about quickly. And then we're going to pray together. And I believe God's going to break some barriers in this house. There was an African-American young lady uh, who, her and her husband were leaders in our church. When she was 35, she, ha she was giving birth to her, their fourth or fifth child. Um, I can't remember which one, but she was giving birth to their, their last child. And, and she almost died. They thought she had pneumonia. She ended up having a rare lung disease. And for uh, three or four years she went on this journey of needing a lung transplant and it came down to nothing and, and the, the, the odds kept going down and down and down and down and down and finally they gave up on her in Texas and they said uh, we're about to have to intubate you and when we do you have 72 to, to maybe 80 maybe 100, 8400 hours left, so three or four days left to live they intubated her she had less than a .001% chance. And when they took her off the transplant list in Texas, in Texas she had zero chance. I performed a 10th wedding anniversary for her and her husband because he wanted to, to renew their vow, a, a, a re vow renewal before she died in the hospital. One night God spoke to him, long story short, in the middle of the night he started emailing people and he gets a response at midnight in a hospital that was thousands of kilometers away from where we live in Texas. The doctors happened to be in an emergency meeting at midnight. And, and, and they called him, the, 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 this lady, the receptionist was there. She got the email, phoned him, and said, I'm taking your email to the doctors right now. The doctors looked over it and said, if you can get her here and... and, and Miraculously, lungs show up. We'll move her to the top of the list. It's still a long shot, but you got to get her here in 24 hours. 
They get her there. The story would take me too long to tell you, but she lands miraculously. She was in such bad shape, they said, if we had seen you, we'd have never done this. But God did a miracle. Lungs show up. And with only about five hours left until it's medically impossible to do the lung transplant, she gets a double lung transplant, and God saves her life. Come on, somebody. I mean, she was on death's door. In January, she went to Israel with us. She used to walk into church with with oxygen tanks and an oxygen mask. And she could barely walk about 50 feet or so, just 50 meters. And she would have to sit and take a break. She walked miles and miles across Israel with us with no oxygen tank. Her lungs filled with blessed air. That was her best day. She started writing a book called I Still Win. I Still Win. Two years to the month, last September, her husband who was 45, the same man who got her the miracle, believed God and got her a miracle, heard God in the middle of the night, got that miracle, goes to bed and does not wake up the next day. So she's got two new lungs And four orphan children. She goes from having this miracle that saved her life to being a single mother starting life alone. But you know what she did? She didn't quit. She finished that book and put his story in it and said, I still win. Jesus and the cross have given me a victory. And on my best day, when I got lungs, God is bigger. And on my worst day, when my husband died, God is bigger. I've come to tell somebody, God is bigger. He's bigger. Somebody say, God's bigger. Let me tell you one more story real quick, real quick. Watch this. We kept going. Other things began to happen. And, and then in, in January, my niece, 28 years old, nine months pregnant, one week from her due date, her placenta tears away and her baby dies six days before the due date. She gets to the hospital. I come an hour later She's holding her dead baby. I wish I could tell you today that we raised her from the dead. I tried, but it didn't happen. I wish I could tell you some amazing testimony about breathing life into this baby. And she came back. But I held my niece's dead baby, and she didn't come back to life. But watch this. My niece, 28 years old, 28, Neil. She grabs that lifeless body. And she says, Jesus, I refuse to allow bitterness to come into my life in Jesus' name. She said, I bind and rebuke every work of the enemy. And I believe that life begins at conception. And I believe that I carried this life for nine months. And it was a privilege and an honor. And though I will not hold her body alive on this side of eternity, I look to heaven and I declare that I will receive her in the next life. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. 
Watch this. I want to read something to you. I want to read something to you. So, so listen. A week later, she has a funeral, a memorial service. And my niece, 28 years old, leads worship for her, at her dead baby service. Here's the song she sang. It's a song called Raise a Hallelujah. It says, I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. It says, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder. You're going to hear my praises roar up from the ashes. Hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. I've come to tell somebody, God is bigger. Stand to your feet. I don't care if it's your best day. I don't care if it's your worst day. God is bigger. Can you raise a hallelujah? Somebody, somebody, somebody needs to take about 10 seconds and give, raise a hallelujah and give God the loudest, craziest praise you've ever. Come on. Let your, let our praises roar. I'm going to prophesy that this house is going to be a house who makes God bigger. Bigger, bigger than politics. Bigger than racism. Bigger than economic crisis. Bigger. <laughs> bigger. He's bigger. He's bigger. This house is going to be a beacon and a haven for many to run into. But it's also going to be a place where many run out of. As we go disciple nations, we're going to tell them God is bigger. So right now, Father, with every, you see every hand that's raised. And with all the faith that's within me right now, I release a spirit of faith to magnify the promise over the problem. And that the promise would multiply and the problems would even in our mind diminish whether they seem to diminish outwardly because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And so right now, I break discouragement and fear and unbelief. In the middle of mystery, we stand with authority and say, God is bigger. Father, I just speak healing. And grace to every person whose hands raised. Father, people who are living in the midst of great days, we just still know you're bigger than that. And we never rest and get comfortable, but we trust in the bigger one. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Hatfield. I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. God is bigger. And so if I can um, give a, a word, if, I, if you would mind, if I paraphrase, um, that we have a word from Ansa who says, not just receive today the word that has been spoken, but to receive the anointing that comes with the word that brings the heart change and the life change. And so if you find yourself 
as I have, as many have, in situations that the worst days and the best days. And we need to find in the worst days a space where we need to raise our hallelujah and we need to sing louder. And it requires more of us than we have ever done before. And you need somebody to pray for you in that. Could I ask that you would come forward? In fact, if you need prayer for anything, please feel free to come forward and our ministry team will be here. Two logistics. The one is there is baptism after the service. The second one is to the seniors, myself approaching the senior stage, I forgot to tell you that your invitations are available um, at that desk um, just behind the cameras there, at the information desk in the main auditorium. So those that are over 60, if you could collect your tickets there. But from our side, a very deep thank you to you. A message brought in the Texan way, but life lessons learnt by each of us. And each of us having to find our spaces and saying, we raise a hallelujah in the middle of our difficulties, in the midst of our enemies, we continue to worship you. And we're going to sing louder, and we're going to sing louder, and we're going to sing louder. Because he is bigger than that thing that you face. Thank you for being with us today.